0: Welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Porter, joined by my co-host, Charlotte Porter. How are Hello. you doing?
1: I'm good. How's things? Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm good, good. Good, good. And we're joined this Independence Day by creator of Quirk and the brain behind Immerse Studios, Emma May. Hello. How are you doing, Emma?
2: I'm good, thank you. How are you guys? Yeah, yeah we're good. good. We're yeah. good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. good. Um, it's quite strange because I, I think I've actually been to about two or three conventions where you've been there Emma and I think this is the first time I'm speaking to you
2: really which one's I think you been to?
0: well we, we were at you UK were at aircon right
2: um, my game was there though it was with um imagination gaming
0: that's that's what it was but yeah,
2: yeah. I caught up with Emma
1: at UK games you did yeah but, yes, but
0: yeah. It, it's one of these weird sort of ships in the night scenarios <laughs> because the I think it was was it one free elephant we yes. had been to about yes. three or four events. And they're quite been. local to us. Yeah, and it wasn't until we got to UK Games Expo that you actually got to speak to them. Yeah,
1: yeah. But we did play Quirk. Um, we did. Yes, not not through the Quirk stand, but actually somebody brought it um, to play. It was, it was Duncan. Duncan from yeah. Tabletop Scotland. Yeah. yeah.
0: Duncan, yeah. and, but I think it was actually Simon's Simon Scorby. Simon
1: Scorby. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I heard about the weird <laughs>
2: conversation you were, you were having during that game. It always comes
0: back to me. <laughs> what conversation was that? Um, I know.
2: Well, because I think the day before, me and Amelia, who works with me on the stands, um, she, we had played it with Duncan and Simon, and Simon yes. were doing these really weird impressions that went straight over our heads, and we're like, I don't even know what character that is. I made the game, and I don't know what the characters are. So I, I, you had that same experience with them. Yes, <laughs> there, was
0: something, there was. I, something I got that... loads of Simon. No, I, I think me and Simon are summer wavelength <laughs> because there was a lot of stuff that I was doing uh, for other people that Simon got every time and no one else got. Because I think it was, it was the superhero cards. Yeah, and yeah. I kept doing the da 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 da, which is clearly Iron Man or <laughs> Black Sabbath. <laughs> and only Simon got it, so I, I'm sorry to say, Emma, I, I don't know what oh Simon-Rose you're talking <laughs> I recently, about. Because to me that's...
2: I recently did a game in um, Tabletop Tuesday uh, at uh, one of the loading bars in London, mm. and the last group of the night, absolutely amazing, but uh, one of the girls was trying to do the Jurassic Park, Park theme tune <laughs> for the Legends <laughs> game, and she kept doing... Uh, account, uh, it was a mix of like E.T., Jurassic Park, and Star Wars, and she couldn't get the right one for the right card. <laughs>
1: I'm like, what are you doing?
0: She she's going to kill me for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, <laughs> my, my sister, uh, my, my the youngest of my two sisters, um, I, she was probably about twelve or thirteen at the time, mm. so she was quite young but old enough to know better. And then um, my dad got given an Indiana Jones hat for Christmas one year. Yeah. So he put it on, and then Bethany starts going. Duh, 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 duh. <laughs> and we, we being the horrible, sadistic siblings that we were, we, we let her keep going for a few bars before, <laughs> before we let her know. I missed
1: it was the wrong movie. Oh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> she was <laughs> mortified.
1: I remember, though, I'm just saying back to like actions and stuff like that. There was one that I really confused everybody with when we played it, and I was trying to do Angel. Yeah. So I was like mimicking a halo. And everybody <laughs> thought I was like trying to be the
0: queen combing <laughs> your hair over or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: that's on purpose. That is on so I make some of the games. I, I've got like the sheets above my um desk right now because mm. they look really nice, framed. Um, but both quirk and quirk legends have cards in them that are quite similar. So the actions that you do, and that that is on purpose to kind of make you go, well, Is it that one or is it? this other card yeah.
0: deliberately ambiguous yeah. 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 yeah
2: so we got like the t-rex and the dragon which people confuse and angel and princess yeah. um i think in the original game the supermodel with the mime because people do vogue and then some oh, people yeah. think that's someone's miming
0: although yeah. the
2: funniest card in the original is the wink card especially when a one guy winks to another guy <laughs> it's so <laughs> awkward <laughs>
0: me me and josh wink at each other a lot so that's that's just that's just normal it's part of the course
2: for us yeah i feel feel at home with the original
0: yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, we'd be right at home so we've we've talked quite a bit about this game quirk and i dare say there's maybe one or two people that um are scratching their heads slightly so do you want to tell us a bit about what quirk is
2: I can give you the most simplest version of it. When people describe it, it sounds so boring, but it is such a funny game. Um, it is Go Fish Charades. like That's the main core of the game, because you're basically set collecting um, by asking... I, yeah,
0: um, well, that's yeah. quite a good explanation of Which it, actually. Yeah. it's
2: based on Go Fish.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're you're um, really selling it here, Emma. I know,
2: right? So... Um, yeah, you have to, instead of asking, like, you can't ask, do you have any wizards, you have to become a wizard. So obviously people are making spells and, or like the evil villain, ah, 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 you know, yeah. um, and they're making it very expressive, um, asking for these cards. And obviously, if they have it, they have to give you the cards. If not, then they pick up from the deck. Um, but there is obviously a difference to go fish that quirk has which is um the tactic and defense cards and also skip cards so it gives you that extra layer of fun um where you you might be winning but you might be winning in the beginning and not win in the end so yeah. that allows people to steal entire sets from you or quirks as we call them and the first see, uh, obviously at the end of the game with the most quirks is the winner
0: yeah well when, see whenever we play games like that i always get the skip turn stuff played yeah. on me so yep. I'll I'll spend about 10 minutes of a game just watching people, <laughs> so,
2: watching people play. so when I did, um, I mean, it, it kind of grew from Quirk when I released Quirk Legends. But um, I wanted to do, like, because I had grown over about a year a, a core group of fans for Quirk, people were messaging me saying, oh, if you bring out another game, I'd really love a card that does this or a card that does that. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea to like add sort of my um, stretch goals to the next campaign, which I ended up just giving to people anyway, because I really appreciate my fans. And I think the amount of energy they put into Quirk and, um, that you know, just talk about it with other people, I just want to give them something special. So every time I do a Kickstarter campaign, I always do like limited edition um packages and um cards that i don't print for um retail at least not at the moment because i don't have the money to do that but Mm. one thing that came out of it was this mischief card idea where in the middle of the game i kind of call it like a it's like adding exploding kittens slash flux to quirk (laughs) you have these cards which act as events so you can you can you do the normal game you you know you hand out the cards as normal and then you add these mischief cards in as if they were exploding kittens um but they change the game like flux so it might be that um halfway through the game you get the tornado come out and you have to collect all the quirks up from table the cassette collections and then give them out and distribute them from yourself so we had this one time we played the game where that card came out on the person um who was next to somebody that had literally three quirks and there was four people playing. So she literally took all of the quirks away from her friend and then distributed them to everyone else, but that person. So it kind of worked <laughs> against her. She was winning like really well. <laughs> and then at the end of it, we were all winning. So it, it just brings a new dynamic. Yeah. Which I really yeah. love.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's cool. So like a lot of people in the tabletop industry, um, you, you've, maybe not been here for a very long time you know like people for instance like steve jackson who's i think been in tabletop since it pretty yeah. much he start it. they the started 70s.
1: tabletop yeah. didn't they <laughs> yeah. yeah we had yeah. him on the show yeah oh, we had him recently.
0: yeah yeah. but um you know the, the likes of ourselves we we i, I came to or, or i came back to tabletop anyway in like my early to mid-20s yeah. but um you you um obviously have come to tabletop um over the last few years. So
2: So I've been in it yeah, I've been in it for about twenty months. The funny thing is is um what Steve Jackson's partner is uh what's his name? Ian um Ian Livingstone, isn't it? Yeah. So I kind of know Ian Livingstone. Um, oh, you're, you're talking about
0: the English Steve Jackson.
1: Ah, yeah. we're talking about the American Steve Jackson. Yeah. Oh, this is there too? <laughs> yes. This is what causes two, a lot of confusion. There are two
0: Steve Jacksons who have both been in tabletop since the 70s. Yep, you're educating and me now. <laughs> who have both that. been... Yeah. Who, who have both written um, fighting fantasy yep. books as well. So,
1: the Steve oh, really? Jackson, we know, yep. you may have heard of a little game called Munchkin. Yes. That's what he made. And did so he also creator. make
2: zombie dice?
0: He did. He did. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I love that game. Steve <laughs> I haven't yeah. played
1: Munchkin, but I have watched it on tabletop. But the confusing thing was, is that at one point, Steve Jackson, the US Steve Jackson, was writing... For the uh, fighting fantasy, yeah, yeah ah, it's Steve Jackson.
0: Jackson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, not not with see, him. But yeah. they, they have both written for fighting fantasy. Yeah, and the problem is that the original fighting fantasy books, as far as I'm aware, didn't make any distinction between, between the, the two. two. So they're both Steve yeah. Jackson, oh. even though they were written by two different. So it'd be funny if they collabed
2: because it would be like Steve Jackson and Steve Jackson wrote this <laughs> book. And like, why didn't you just write it once? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep.
2: Yeah, so yeah. I met um. It was really funny the way I met Ian because uh-huh. I am um, like whilst I'm in the board game industry, I guess, I mean, a little bit of my past from what you asked is that I did work in the tech industry beforehand making products um, and left that to start a business which I um, shut down, which my life coaching businesses, which is why uh, if anyone follows me on Twitter, I have a very positive um look on life or giving out these lessons or giving advice to people it's because i've got that sort of personal development background to me um but i because i've got kind of like that kind of corporate side to me it's i know how kind of how to network with people so when i started immerse studios i wasn't really in the tabletop industry or i didn't really know any game designers but i have a product idea and i want to take it to market so my way of working is to look at who can i get connected with oh ian livingstone's a big name and maybe he could help me to you know get into this industry um but i did the UK games expo with quirk and i gave him a game and he gave me a copy of his book and signed it for me so that's uh, my little story with him <laughs>
0: that is a ballsy move but, but, going, like i want to get into the industry so i'm going to go and talk to the biggest most famous <laughs> person paid, it? it's paid off yeah
1: that's awesome
0: would it be my move? Hats off to you.
1: Yeah. What I wanted to say as well is um, I've noticed recently you've been doing quite a bit of blogging. That yes. um, You've mentioned people asking you about things or approaching you with queries about being in the industry because you're coming from a, a sort of different background. How, how, how have you found that? A little bit overwhelming, to be honest. Yeah. Um,
2: I am used to helping people. And before, before games designers were coming to me, I was talking on the phone with entrepreneurs. So... It's not kind of that too different, but I do kind of find when I'm helping other people, it helps me do two things. Um, one, it helps me to kind of clarify where I am. And secondly, it helps me to understand where everybody else is as well. Yeah. Um, and that's like, that's a good thing for me writing blogs because what I found out was all these game designers were coming to me and I'd have honest conversations with them. And then they, what they would say and what I could pick out in between, like, you know, seven different conversations. Is that everybody's feeling the same way and nobody's talking about these emotional struggles that we're going through and just you know pulling our hair out going, I don't know what to do next. Um, and then watching like our uh, c- competition, who are other people in the games uh, industry who might be quite close to us or like might be on like uh, social media and you're watching what they're doing and you're thinking, how did they get there when I'm still here struggling? Um, but we've all got a different story and and. That's what I'm finding out is that I work differently to somebody else. That's you know maybe doing really well on Kickstarter because that's one of the things I see is that I run campaigns and I get about seventy-seven to one hundred and forty backers on a campaign and just barely scrape by. Where you see someone else go and get forty thousand pounds and you go, how how did they do that? But then I look at my journey and go, but I'm doing really well in the market. How well are they doing in the market? Yeah. There's a good question mark over that. So I. There are different journeys um, and different ways we will tackle that same problem.
1: Yeah.
2: And it's just about understanding that and trying to help other people understand that because they might not have that level of connection with game designers because they're just starting their journey. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I suppose it's quite interesting because we've we've even found it ourselves is there's not a lot of uh, podcasts, tabletop based podcasts. Um, at the moment and so sometimes you do feel like well are we are we bringing something that's different are we bringing a product that is of interest to people Mm -hmm. you know and it's about finding the audience and knowing that there is an audience out there for you it might be a very different audience to you know another competitor or whatever but i say competitor you know Friend, <laughs> but um, you know it's all about having that and being aware that you know, like you're saying, how like seeing other people and you sort of begin to compare yourself to them, but knowing actually, no, this is I am where I am today because of what we've done, and they are where they are today because of what they've yeah, done.
0: What what you're going to bring to the the table be that as far as a game that you design or uh, a podcast or whatever? Mm-hmm. It, it's because you everyone's different. Everyone is completely different yeah. in in many ways, and so I I think that also translates to product. Where products um, very often will have similarities, yeah. but ultimately the there is a, a wealth of product, a wealth of content out there, and everything out there is as unique as the people that are producing it. Yeah. So
2: yeah. Definitely. I think what you have to find and this is kind of the advice that and this is really coming from me and finding myself in this journey is that you do have to you have to know yourself and how you work. And as much as I can give advice to other people, a lot of the time I'm giving them advice from where I've come from and what I've done. Um, and I kind of feel at odds with giving that kind of advice because I know it's probably not the right advice for them, but it's the only thing that I can give them from my perspective. But also then having to take the stance of, okay, maybe that isn't the right advice for them, but can I give them advice that if that's not the right advice, maybe this would be, you know, you just find where that fits for you and then follow that. Yeah. Um, and I know... There's some, other, there's some designers that can get quite in their head about things, and I certainly do myself, um, but it, it is learning, and I have I think I've learned quite a lot because I've had quite a few hard lessons through developing my own game, which I could probably talk to you about, yeah. um, but not in too much detail because yeah. it's still quite... <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: It's still raw.
2: Yeah, yeah uh, but still, because of the journey that I'm on, I'm still on this journey, so sure. it's about not giving that... The, i mean what i'm about to do away before i've done it um but yeah definitely the stuff that i've been through has helped me to develop this understanding of what i need to be doing next yeah. from my perspective obviously
0: oh yeah you can only ever speak from your own experience can't you and yeah and the thing is well because we can only ever speak from our own experience you can't entirely refute the experience of another yeah. person because it's not your experience this, I mean, we we can argue about ideas and conclusions that we reach on these experiences, but it's it's back to that thing we were saying before, wasn't it? That's, that every person is unique. Every every person's experience is unique. So that there might be things that we can glean from the experiences yeah. of others, but
1: yeah, even just for people to maybe be aware that this is. A potential, you know, because a lot of the time, I suppose as well, people are only ever really looking at from their own perspective. But to maybe understand, but oh well, this is somebody else's point of view. I never yeah. even thought of that as a possibility. I, I, I never dare even say thought that of that. The as...
0: world would be a better place if more people did just that.
1: Yes, that's true. <laughs> that <Yeah.
0: is> true. <laughs> I, th- I think it's safe to say there's a general lack of uh, of empathy. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. But...
2: Do you know what, what saying that? I just as another point um perspective is a really hard thing to do when you're designing something yourself um so especially like
0: you're so wrapped up in it aren't you
2: yeah so I, i'll give you an example from when i was developing quirk yeah and i have i've given this to other designers as well i designed quirk with a set of characters in that i had in my previous game called cards of character which i had developed in 2013 um So I kind of maybe have been in this industry a bit longer, but (laughs) not really been in the industry. Um, But I had these cards and one of the characters, and since you've played Quirk, you probably understand. So um, I had a character called the censor card. And literally what you had to do was censor out one of your words. Um, And I thought it was a brilliant, card it was like my most favorite card Mm. but what I found when I was playtesting is nobody understood it um they'd hold it in their card hold it in their hand and then not want to play that or play it at the very end and I kind of understood that at that point that people got confused by that even though it made sense to me and I had to cut that card out to make it a better game for other people The other hard thing is obviously then taking that to reviewers and then have people reviewing something you've put like five months of work into and put some of your own cash into and and you're moving along that journey and then someone completely destroys it or says you or especially if you haven't done playtesting and you haven't answered all of those questions, you'll get something that you're not going to be very happy with or might make you depressed because you haven't looked at. Every perspective that you possibly could have when you're putting something out there, but that's because it's so it means so much to you. Yeah,
0: I, yeah, I was I was just going to say that um, with regards to the, I, I'm glad you said that actually about the sensor card as much as you were attached to it because I th- I think a, a degree of consensus applies uh, when when it comes to taking feedback and um, I, I did an interview earlier in the year with uh with Frank West from city of games yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, because he um around that time the dice tower had released their review of the city of kings and uh, Tom Vassell was very critical of city of Kings so um I, I I brought it up in the conversation and asked him how he responds to those sorts of reviews and what he said was that he separates uh, feedback into two categories where you've got um general feedback which would be something like um we didn't understand the the sensor card and how that functioned because that that that's a a general criticism of the game whereas you'll have personal feedback which would be something like i didn't like the texture of the cards
2: Oh, I've had that before. Yeah. yeah. I've it, had that from manufacturers actually. Really? Like, yeah. Oh, your cards are so bad. Look how much they bend. I'm, and they're like, it's probably 300 GCM. I'm like, no, it's 350 GCM. They like looked at me and walked away. I was like, okay.
0: Yeah. But <laughs> just what I'm saying about how the the, the personal feedback, yes. a lot of the time you can take that with a pinch of salt, whereas general feedback as a designer is what you really need to be listening to. And
1: if I remember correctly, the one with um, the City of King was the. Um, the colors, wasn't it? Somebody didn't like the colors.
0: I, th- I think he'd said that, but yeah. the, the thing with City of Kings was he, um, Tom Vassell kept comparing it to yeah. Gloomhaven, yeah, and, and it's like it's not... it's, it, it's a big fantasy game yeah. with lots of components. That's where the similarities begin yeah. and end because they're, they're very different games, they, yeah. they set out to do very different things. And honestly, um, unpopular opinion, I don't think it was a very good review.
1: That's okay.
2: I I think the other thing is that as you as you develop in this um industry you have to you have to learn to take that feedback and criticism
0: yeah
2: yeah. um I still find that very difficult I had one come out recently and and I I made my points with it and my points did get listened to and it, it did actually get taken down but um at the same time it's so hard to read something where someone's being horrible about something you've created um and, it's, and I, I've, again, given this advice to other designers that have experienced the same thing because what I do in that moment is I read it and I understand where they're coming from because some people don't like Quirk. And if I'm really honest, I probably wouldn't have wanted to bring out Quirk as one of my first games because I didn't believe it in a gofish concept at that time. Yeah. But it's when I put it into the market and I watched families interact with it, then yeah. I knew I had to put this out. Um, so it was like it was a changing in in that perspective um, but also uh, it, knowing for myself I, I should say to you I have now sold 2,000 games or over 2,000 games in 10 months <laughs> Woo! that happened well, I want to say it happened this week but I, apparently when I did my stock check it was 2,105 so I kind of uh, I went over it, it really
0: fast <laughs> yeah um, in a good but way what
2: I, what I had to realize is that, you know, over 2000 people have brought my game yeah, yeah, and only one person has given a review like that. The only problem I have is when it comes out on a, a bigger channel um, and th- this channel wants to promote me. But this bad review comes out that I have to say, well, hang on a minute because your audience that doesn't don't know who i am because i'm still quite small might get a, a bad interpretation of it because it was given to the wrong reviewer who doesn't have the audience that i'm trying to attract so that could essentially lose ourselves um and it is because of it was given to the wrong person um and i again as you're doing product development and it's something i know a lot about is about targeting your ideal um, audience, and not giving it to the people that are not your ideal audience, and getting the wrong feedback. <laughs> yeah.
1: well, one of the things that we make a point of doing as reviewers. Now we've not actually reviewed that many things, because no. when we do review stuff, we want to make sure that we're, if we are having to be quite critical, we want to give them something to think about, and not just berate it. We want to make sure that we're giving something that's constructive. Well,
0: yeah, you, you, is there's, there's I had a. a I was involved in a little bit of a um, conversation that Rodney Smith had about Mm. this recently where he'd said, and it's a valid point, that ultimately, even if the reviewer is trying to be as objective as they possibly can, every review, by definition of what it is, is subjective. Yeah. Yep. You you can't get away from that because it, it, it comes down to opinion. We're not robots. Yeah. Um, and as much as we maybe do try to remove ourselves from how we personally feel about this something, you just can't get away from it. That, yeah. that how you f- how you feel and uh, how you regard something is based on personal preference. Yeah,
1: yeah definitely.
0: And it, it is something we do try to do with with our reviews. We you know we try to judge the designers by their intentions. So if it's not necessarily a game we would grab off the shelf, it, it, you know, we think about who the target audience yeah. for this would be, and how successful we think the designer has been in hitting their goal, and then we'll maybe talk a wee bit about yeah. how we feel about it. Um, but I, th- I, th- I think f- I think for game designers, as nice as it is to have good reviews, um, y- you shouldn't you shouldn't set out to get them. No. It's like. Um,
2: I know, it always makes me nervous. Every time someone reviews my game, I always open it and I'm sweating and I'm, like, shaking, like, oh, my God, what's he going to (laughs) say? Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um, But I I think because it's it's like, um, you know, people talk about films being Oscar bait. Yeah. And it's like, you you know, you, you watch certain films and it's like, a lot of them are a lot of bollocks, to be honest, but there's like cer- <laughs> certain tropes and things that they include where right away you're like, oh, they've definitely made this to try and uh, yeah. appeal to the Academy. Yeah. And uh, so what, what happens a lot of the time is you'll get films where the Academy are like, this is fantastic, but then...
1: Your everyday, but everyday
0: then, like, Joe then just like, Michael Bay still making more money <laughs> yeah, than all of them, true. so...
1: <laughs> See, that's
2: the, coming from that point of view I'm I mean I'm thinking a lot about what my next game will be and I want I mean Immerse Studios is supposed to be a virtual reality studio um, which is what I intended in- my company to be but then realized I had about four projects mounting up and then I went okay well I can't do a hundred thousand pounds worth of like VR development why don't I just work on something that that it's going to need investment but it's not going to be as large as £100,000 in you know the first year. So this, this is why Quirk got invented. And I've got a book as well that I want to bring out which Quirk was developed off of um, or the original game was developed off of. But um, I kind of like, because I'm getting into this uh, industry a lot more, I kind of get to the point where I think, should I be developing a game that, you know, I, I kind of want to make a really cool game and I, I kind of want to get that kind of hobby market like something out that because there's a lot of people that love that sort of stuff and i have yeah. to stop myself from going stop trying to make something for an audience that you're trying to impress <laughs> <laughs> just make something for you that is going to yeah. be like your next game but then also get your audience interested in it
0: yeah yeah so um so people that, that maybe know me a bit more will know that I, I i dabble in a bit of writing
1: yeah
0: and yeah the the thing that i always try to, to stay true to whenever I'm writing anything is ultimately I want to tell a story or write a story that I would want to read. And yeah. I, I I think I, I dare say that the industry would be a better place if designers use that ethos for their games. Mm. Is like like you say, rather than trying to make games to impress reviewers or to um impress a certain market, just make a game that you would want to play
2: yourself, yeah. Certainly. I, my next game is something that I've been working on for quite a few years. Um, it's not actually, like it's not in game format yet, and it's not in story format yet, but what it does is it takes this idea of the personal development that I've spoken about before, and it puts it into a kind of story-setting um, fantasy world. So it's it kind of does kind of touch on that market a little bit, but it's I'm not making it for that market. But it, it was supposed to be the virtual reality game that I want to develop. Um, but then I thought, you know, I am in this industry now. Is, can I make it into a card game? And I'm, I've kind of gotten really excited about making some really nice artwork for these cards and developing a story game, um, something that you can really interact with and, and change stuff and choose, like, different pathways. Mm. Um, but it's still very... It's, it's in a fetal position at the moment. <laughs> I do have another game that I've just announced to my Kickstarter backers oh, yesterday. Fantastic. Okay. Um, do tell. Which it's another Quirk game. It's Quirk Hallows. Ooh.
0: So I um,
2: announced to them yesterday about my 2,000 sales in 10 months, and I said I really like, honestly, I really want to celebrate the people that have supported me through Quirk and through Quirk Legends, who are growing my audience. And UKG was probably one of the biggest shows for me because I couldn't walk around the show without anyone shouting my name. So um, it was just just a really odd experience. But it's those people that I like. That's why I give more to them. Like when I'm doing a Kickstarter campaign, I want to do something really special that only they have and do all these limited edition quirk copies because i know when i hit the market it's gonna be quite big so you know someone that's got one of the first 100 quirk games um now has one of the first 100 out of i think i think it's 1500 games or something like that so you know as that that's growing they are getting something really really special yeah yeah, but that's, yeah, that's what I'm going to do with Hallows. I've got some new cards as well, like special cards that will um, vary the game as well.
1: Okay, bringing yeah. some new dynamics. That's really that's cool. cool. Yep. But no, I, yeah. I,
0: I, I'm all for that. Um, yeah. uh, you know, having creators rewarding their their core fans. I, I think that if there's anyone you should be trying to please, it's those sorts of people.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'll go above and beyond for them any day of the week because
0: yeah. they yeah. they're going to be with you through thick and thin, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, I think that is just about all we've got time for. Um, mm-hmm. Could probably talk forever. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I've really enjoyed this yeah. conversation. Yeah. You know yeah. Me
1: too.
0: Yeah. We'll need to do it again sometime. We should. We should yeah. have
1: a series, a segment dedicated to Emma, where she can share some of her her uh, fabled wisdom yeah. with us. soapbox. <laughs> like
0: yeah. Um, yeah. Emma, thank you very much for coming on the show.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: And for all of our listeners, wherever you are, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.
1: Thanks, bye.
0: Hi, guys, it's uh, Josh from the Unlucky Frog Gaming podcast here. Thanks for listening to us, and now be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, just search for the Unlucky Frog Gaming. Uh, You can also show your support for Unlucky Frog through Patreon. Be sure to check out our website, www.unluckyfrog.com, to find out more. Was that so hard? I'm... <laughs> um, look!
1: <laughs>